You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. On today's show, we have Shmuel Silverman, who is an inventor with over 145 patents and provisional publications, and success with co-founding and selling two companies. He brings years of leadership experience in telecommunication, internet technologies, internet of things, and artificial intelligence, and have led technology teams of researchers, developers, and marketers at two global icons. He's a trusted advisor to attorneys, M&A specialists, and entrepreneurs all around the world. On today's show, we talk about what is the timeline for 5G implementation in our daily lives, how long to build out this infrastructure, how will the collection of security and the massive amounts of data be changed with 5G technology, how will existing businesses be potentially impacted, how will the cost of computer cell phones and other electronics change, and much, much more. So stay tuned for an amazing episode on what the future brings with 5G technology. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. Shamil, thank you for taking the time today to be on Silicon Valley. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. Now, Shamil, you've had this amazing career, and our audience needs to find out. Tell us about your background and a bit about what you've done up to this point. Well, it always starts with curiosity. I always wanted to know how things are working and broke them apart since childhood. But the most important thing for us is that in the early 2000s, I worked as the director of advanced technology and strategy in Motorola. And through this work and working with some amazing inventors, we figure out that it's not just all about invention, it's invention with intention and understanding the picture of the future. If you don't understand the picture of the future and you don't understand your value proposition, it's a no-go. Technology is just an enabler. What technology were you working on at this time? Just before starting in that position in Motorola, we were working on taking all different area interface, 3G, 2G, wireless, and uh, GSM and other things that were at that space, even actually analog and digitize them, move everything over IP. So we created a big, large network that can talk at any area interface, any area interface technology over IP. Later, we moved into 4G. And at that time, when we were talking early 2000, in the group that I worked in Motorola, we moved all the police departments and all the police or private communication talks into IP. It was all packets, all IP, forget analog. It was a big difference in the world. Later, I want to get into 5G. But before we get there, we need to hear a little bit of background. Can you tell us a little bit about 1G, 2G, 3G, what that means, what it does, the history, so we can kind of pay that path to 5G. So cellular wireless uh, started around the early 80s. And you can think, uh, you know, just give 10 years for every G and you can count to today. So 1G was in the 80s, 2 in the 90s, 3. So you can go like every 10 years, you can see a major improvement and jump in technology, capabilities, capacity, enablement of communication. It started with voice. It was only analog. It moved to narrower channels within analog to 
use their interface more efficiently, then it started to be further and further digitized, starting from GSM, Edge, which was improvement on GSM, still somewhere in the 2G, then 3G, which is UMTL, and further to 4G that we know and love today. And 5G is a big step. It's probably the biggest step we've seen compared to all the previous steps that we've done in wireless technology. Now, I'm kind of curious how wireless technology compares to Moore's law, which is microchips where the number of transistors on a microchip doubles every two years, though the cost of computers are half. How has wireless technology kind of related to this? Well, this is interesting. So there's no data in 1G. So you can think in the zero step. You go to very low kilobits per second in the second step, in the second jump. And the third jump, we are starting to look at the high hundreds of kilobits per second. And the fourth, we are at two gigabits per second. And in the fifth, we're looking at 20 gigabits per second. All those jumps are, seems to be over 10x with every year. Every 10 years, you see 10x jump. Tell me about the timeline for 5G implementation in our daily lives. How long for infrastructure to build out? So 5G is a big change relative to 4G, 3G, and 2G. When the first systems were created, the cost of antennas, the cost of base stations, the cost of those systems are very high. And in order to get back the benefits from those systems, we wanted to reduce the number of antennas. A single antenna is like $5 million, just to put it down. So we wanted to reduce the number of base stations and get maximum coverage to those base stations. So today, every two miles, about plus minus every two miles, we have a base station. In some areas, it's every 20 miles. And we maintain that all the way through from 1G to 4G. 5G is a game changer. We need about 100x more base stations because the coverage is so much smaller. So within an area of a 4G base station, we will need 100 5G base stations. Wait a minute. We didn't finish with the problem. The problem with 5G is that now the normal wired communication, the wires that connect to the base station to deliver the data from the air interface that ends up on the antenna to the base station back into the center, this wire is too slow. Today, it's enough to have a wire that can do, let's say, 20 gigabit per second, 10 gigabit, even 5 gigabit per second would be awesome to connect it as a backhaul to that antenna, to that base station. With 5G, we need at least 20 gigabit, mostly 40 gigabit per second connection. So 40 gigabit connection is, well, most wirelines just don't do that. Think about your house. What's the best capacity you get? You know, you can get a router and you get probably 10 gigabit per second. And your wires are not even rated for 10 gigabit. Most of the wires that you use in your house, if you don't use wireless, if you use wired, will be in probably one gigabit per second. So now we need to put a new infrastructure that does not exist. And we need to double it times 100 for every base station that we have. That's a big undertaking. We didn't start doing it in the US, but in Europe, some places are starting to do that. So 
the role I expect to be actually slow. I don't expect 5G to rule before the mid-20s, but I expect it to roll slowly, first in Europe, then in maybe other places in the world, and then it will also come to the US um, when it will be economically feasible to do. By a country implementing this technology, how much will it benefit their economy? Are they going to, in some ways, surpass the U.S. if the U.S. doesn't implement this? To some extent, yes, because they will experience or get experience with this new technology and implementing this technology, and it will impact their economy because new businesses will be created, and the way we do things today will be different. This picture of the future enables technologies and, and use and value propositions that do not exist today. How are these cities going to be reimagined with this technology? It really depends on those cities, but let's kind of like close our eyes and think about, let's start with something simple, self-driving car. Today we are investing lots of effort creating AI and machine learning tools that can be set inside a car, making a car extremely smart, almost like human, and allow the car to drive by itself. We call it self-driving cars. And we imagine that in the next few years, we will have lots of those driving around. Of course, there are also laws and regulations that need to change and maintained in order to allow things like this to happen. In the world of 5G, we no longer need a smart car inside a city. We actually better do with a car that is not that smart. Anyway, you take a car, you take everything out of it except leave the engine inside and some remote control and put the AI somewhere in the cloud. Now the AI can drive the car. What limits cars today or what we can't envision today how those systems will work or realize them is communication. We need to communicate with that car and we need very little delay on our communication. If we have 20 gigabit per second channel to talk to this car, now we can basically manage the car like a marionette. We can be big AI that control hundreds of cars. It's much more economic. Every time we need to upgrade or change a system, we do it in a cloud. It's very easy and fast. Uh, we don't need to do it in every car by itself. If we have bugs or we solve a new problem or create something or new feature, we can have it there. Now we can deliver information back into the car, we have captive audience, maybe, maybe not. Think about cars for free. You sit in a car and I'll play you a commercial while it takes you someplace. You don't need to pay. Huh, not too bad idea if the commercial is interesting. I mean, some people will sign up for it. It's easy. Or you pay for the drive, which is also okay. But it all being done from the cloud. Wait a minute. In order for you to be down in the cloud, you're doing 5G. 5G, you need spectrum. So now, Car operators become spectrum owners, so they need to apply to the FCC for spectrum, the same thing as anybody else. What spectrum? So we are talking about hair interface, which is electromagnetic waves, basically, or interference within an electromagnetic field. Those interference or the frequencies in which we are talking are, this is the air interface. This is the physical medium that transfers or moves data between our phones or between the two antennas that are talking to one another. Air interface is very, very expensive. It's not a commodity. 
people are paying billions of dollars for their chunk of air interface in their area and they pay it or they license it from the FCC. So this would be radio stations right now or cell phone carriers right now. They have a special spectrum that they operate in. Only they can use that. Exactly. They are using their spectrum. So if you are running your 4G phone and you're with AT&T, AT&T has their piece of spectrum that you are sharing with all their clients. If you are, I don't know, Vodafone, it will be Vodafone, etc., etc. Different service providers. So this is service providers, which are cellular service providers. They own the infrastructure, they own the networks, they own the base stations, and they own the air interface. And they have economical model to do that, and this is how they make money. Now, can you imagine that a car operator company, a taxi company, <laughs> a taxi company, if you wish, that has no drivers, they bought and maybe even time-shared an AI somewhere in the cloud. The AI sits in Amazon somewhere on their cloud. And this AI needs to communicate with all these cars. And he communicates through air interface. So that operator needs to own some air interface and mostly dedicated because you do not want your car to be interfering with any other car. You want your car to drive, not to stop. You don't have any smarts in the car. And if the AI stops working, you're actually stuck in a car somewhere. By the way, a car that does not have a steering wheel. <laughs> no, it doesn't even have windows. You just sit in a car, you think you sit in your saloon, in your home, and you're playing a computer game, and you're supposed to be getting from one place to another, and suddenly you're stuck. You don't even know where you're stuck. And you can imagine that five years later, people will not even know maps, because you don't need maps. You don't need to navigate anymore. You just tell your system, hey, take me from one place to another, and you just end up being there after a very short period of time. How about that? So we forget about how to use map. We don't know how to drive anymore. We never need to drive anymore because the car is either driven or is driving for us. That's a very different world than what the world that we are living in today. Shamil, right now, huge corporations are spending billions and billions on autonomous car, the technology. Why not use the LiDAR and all these systems that they're building instead of using 5G? What are the advantages and disadvantages? So the way I think about it is we need to use something that is a combination between the two. There is space for headless cars and there is space for AI in the car. Challenges that we are facing with AI in the car is, let me tell you a story. Let's say you drive slow, 15, 20 miles an hour. You turn, you do a right turn into a street. Uh, you see a ball, a red ball, and a boy picking between two cars. He's about to jump into the road. You immediately hit the brakes and veer to the left, and you hit a bicycle. Now, if you're me, you're probably at that point stop sleeping for a long time. Kind of like you see your life running in front of you, and your heart is in your throat, and you, whatever it is that you feel emotionally. If you're an AI, you probably reboot because you feel very shame. So, what do you do when you're an AI in the car? If you're a 5G in the cloud and you can see around the corner way before this car will show up, you can slow it down and manage it. There are what we call, you know, again, interesting on corner issues and corner cases associated with AI that we do not know how to solve or have hard time to solve today. And with 5G, we'll be able to solve either with an AI in the cloud 
or with a completely different system. So right now, the AI, the computers, everything has to be in line of sight for the car to react. But with 5G, it's not line of sight anymore. It's actually the whole ecosystem talking and communicating to each other. Exactly. The entire city is live. You know everything that is happened 10 streets away from you, 100 streets away from you. And then you can make the decision. You can foresee, you can reroute, you can do other things. That's why I'm more in favor with an AI in the cloud. Further, an AI in the cloud drops the cost of a car significantly. So now you can focus the AI in the cloud and manage the city correctly and effectively. Now, obviously, far away from the city may be a different story. But inside cities, I don't see any reason for the AI to be in a car. So once you leave the city, the AI kicks in, all the sensors, all the lasers, everything, back in the city, they turn off right into 5G. Sean, you think like you're driving the car and you own the car. Forget it. When you leave the city, you'll step into a different car. So between cities, it's a different car. Inside the city, you have a car that is extremely cost-effective. And most of the traffic and traffic issues that you have are inside the cities, not outside the cities. Outside the cities, either you drive it yourself or you get an AI that drives you, but there are less issues and less corner issues associated with driving cars outside cities on highways. So go back to the spectrum, the use. What laws and regulations will be required for that? That's very interesting. So now we have many people or different operating companies who are supposed to compete. But normally it's from the FCC. But now we have local authorities. So which car company can operate within my city? Do I govern that? Now you start to see local governments who can dictate who can operate in my city and not. Can I allow Uber or can I allow anybody else to operate in my city? How do they operate? How do they interact with each other? How much they can charge or not? How much do they pay to the city? The city never owns air interfaces until now. Now we're talking about cities owning air interfaces. Well, or at least participating in this big game. This is a new economical reality that we need to deal with, and I'm not sure if there are even laws and regulations associated with it. What happens when a car that was driven by an AI got into an accident? Well, I don't know. Who pays for it? How do we insure this system? This entire world has this AI-driven, managed, controlled, 5G, it seems to be complex at this time. There are many issues that need to be resolved just to allow, to enable a simple thing, quote-unquote simple thing, self-driven or self-driving car. So it's very interesting. We just interviewed Jonathan Recatel about smart cities and the dynamics between corporations and local government and technology being implemented. And it sounded from his episode that corporations are going to have so much power. But right now, from what you'd mentioned, it sounds like the local government will actually have this counterbalance of the spectrum. And laws and regulations, they will have to decide what to allow or not, what they get or not, and who can play in their space. And if they do not use that power, then yes, then corporations will win. But we are the people, and hopefully we will maintain some control over what's going on. 
the way to control it is laws and regulations. So if you as a corporation wants to play in my town or in my city or wherever it is, you need to abide to my laws and regulations. Another thing that was brought up in that interview was data and the data that cities collect. What's going to happen with data when 5G is implemented? Oh, now we're stepping into an all new world. When we're talking about 5G, the amount of data is huge. Right now, cities do use wireless everywhere. Many cities have wireless everywhere. They will have cameras that take some pictures and more information, but they can't see everything or be in everything. There is limitation, capacity limitation, how much information, visual or not, that you can somehow collect, compress, and deliver and analyze in any data system. Mostly right now it's a delivery system. We are not fast enough. In 5G, we can now drop very low power sensors who can take high resolution images like we have in our phones, etc. But they can have like thousands of those spreads around a single room and they can communicate most of it to the cloud extremely fast. So the resolution of information that associate with our privacy, that what we associate today with our privacy and anonymity is going to go out the window. It's really hard to maintain privacy and anonymity when somebody can see you at high resolution anywhere you go, know anything you do 24-7. What about the storage units for all this data? Is it at capacity right now? What happens in the future when it's 100x? The capacity needs to be uh, at least 100x. Or the analysis of the information needs to be done at much faster and compress it and then store only what's important. You know, think about our brain. I mean, our eyes can see at, what, 150 megapixels, at least, if not more. But they can see a lot. With this amount of data, we don't have perfect memory of every frame that we see. And we see, what, 20, 30 frames per second? We see fast. So the same thing will be. We analyze some of the information, some of it we store, some of it we do not store, some of it we forget. The same thing would be with those AIs and brains and clouds. We don't need to store everything, but we can definitely analyze and see everything. So if I want to know what Sean Flynn is doing at this moment, I'll know. And this is a little bit scary because I actually do not want to know, but I do not want every person on the planet to be able to have access for it because security issues. And you know, at the end of the day, every security can be broken. It's just a question of time. And then there is access to every information channel coming from the ground. So this 5G enables a lot of information on each and every one of us selectively be picked by the big government, uh, whoever the government is, or whoever can enter those channels and collect the data. How else is 5G going to affect security? Because from what it sounds, data can transfer so quickly. There's got to be more implementations or more of an impact to data security that we haven't mentioned. And this is interesting. Some of the limitation on security or some ways for us to secure system is by preventing communication in and out to those facilities, whatever those facilities are. So let's say somebody is working in Apple and he wants to steal information or get some information and he, he may have 
access to this information within the Apple facility, but he can't really take it outside unless he take it on a hard drive or on some physical device. This is today, but tomorrow, if I can in one second communicate 20 gigabits outside of that facility, and I can do it wirelessly, which means at the time that it takes to walk by the window, I can communicate something outside of the building that is supposed just to stay inside, then probably we need to mask all these facilities from 5G. So here's new technology for you. A big thing that prevents 5G from communicating in and out of a facility. But hey, if all our phones are 5G and we want to communicate, at least they need to communicate internal the facility they cannot communicate externally so now we'll start to see all sort of segregation and all sort of new appliances if you wish that create this kind of firewalls where 5g doesn't exist it exists inside but it doesn't outside of them etc although security problems will be solved but they will be solved with new appliances new technology new methods of applying that which is again new opportunity for businesses so in other words, in my business, certain rooms in that could be dead zones. Exactly. And, and intentionally such. You want to go to those dead zones to be able to communicate freely, knowing that nobody else can listen. How else are businesses going to be impacted in the future? Well, first and foremost, we need to understand what is the picture of the future. And we need to ask ourselves which technologies that do not work today well are actually enabled and that's how fast they will come. Let's start with AR and VR. We would like to, through AR and VR, to communicate to the cloud very fast because we are providing imaging and other type of data. That imaging is being analyzed in real time. Think about Google Glasses. And in vision, those devices will tell you what's going on and what you're looking at, etc. In order to enable something like this, you need vast, and some high-speed communications. You need communication for every glass in the room, and if you have 500 glasses walking, we are entering a mall. You, your glass picks up, I'm in the mall. Everything I look at, I know the price, I know what it is, I know who bought it, I know all information about it, just as I walk inside the mall. But I have, what, 5,000 people walking the mall? I need all of them to get all this information in real time. Every person I'm looking, it will tell me his name, what you know about him, his social status, what was the last thing he blogged on, or bleep, or googled, or did. That's a lot of information that I can get, and I can get it in real time, and I may pay for the service. Here you are, new service. Based on social media search, who is the person I'm talking to right now? Hey! I actually really want to know is this person was in the past caught cheating or doing things. Can I trust him? Would you pay for a service like this? So when you start to think about all the different things that can come in with this real communication, but also things, some of them are positive, but you need this communication to happen. You need to be able to communicate a lot of data with very little delay. Voila 5G. So now uh, Google Glasses will be enabled. Right now they're blocked. Can you talk a little bit about what Google Glass is for people out there that might not be familiar? Google Glass, which is beautiful, is like, uh, think about somebody who wears glasses that are, that from the outside, they look transparent and look 
uh, he sees you through glasses, through normal glasses, but the glass inside, as he looks at you, he gets information. And this information is displayed on the inside of the glass. You can't see it, but he can see it. Now, this information comes to him based on some connection to the cloud, to a server that provides this information. On the Google Glasses, you have a small camera that actually looks at you and reports this information to the cloud. The cloud analyzes it and says, oh, I can recognize this person using pattern recognition, or facial recognition, or any other type of recognition algorithm, and then give you information, give me, the owner of the glasses, information about it. What's nice about it is, think about a mall or a place you go to buy. Now you no longer need stickers that tells you what the price. You look at it, you know the price. You want to go someplace, you tell your glasses, hey, or you just say, I want to go this. It will display a map for you. It will tell you where you are on the map relative to where you should go, etc. It's a very convenient thing to manage your life. Now, drop the glasses and let's put something in your eye instead of glasses. So you no longer have glasses, have something in your eye. What's nice about 5G is that it requires a very tiny antenna. The antennas are actually very small and communicate a lot of data. And if I can actually, on my eye, display what I want to see or get information, I don't need glasses anymore. So glasses is just a step in the right direction. 10 years later, 15 years later, they're gone. So this time frame is, we're talking 10 years from now, 15 years from now. We're not talking 2021, 2022. No. So Google Glasses are enabled almost immediately with 5G. So yes, so inside and indoors, in terms of coverage, you can have all these many, many small base stations that communicate, and you can create this communication technology. So if you think about enablement, indoors are more enabled or can go first way ahead of outdoors 5G coverage. Because indoors, I can put those infrastructure and base station or small access points in place who can do 5G. While outdoor, now I need a lot of infrastructure with long cables and a lot of concentration of communication because all those cables at one point are going to a one box and that box wants to go to another box and now you got 100 cables on 20 gigabit per second, now I need 2 terabit per second on a backhaul, etc. So we start to get into higher and higher speeds when we go outdoor. Indoor, we can actually enable it in a more effective way. So what other business models or changes to existing models might occur? So we were talking about Internet of Things, IoT systems, for a long time. And the biggest challenge for IoT was Let's say you put sensors everywhere. How do you communicate to all, your, all these sensors? Same thing like Google Glasses. It was really hard to communicate with them. And what we were thinking is that we can connect those small sensors or IoT devices to one another over the air, air interface. But the problem with this type of connection is that every step you make, every jump you make between one device to another until you get to some infrastructure that can collect this data, every jump, you drop in your capacity by half. So after a handful of jumps, basically you get no capacity. So even if you have 200 megabit per second, after 20, 30 jumps, it's just like you get one, one bit maybe. So the idea is that with 5G, now you, you do have much more spectrum and you can make those jumps 
Bendol jumps are actually small in terms of distance, and the coverage is small, so the interference is less. So you can start to think about very small cloud of devices, and now I'm calling it clouds, because if I have 100 devices in this room, it's their own cloud. They communicate between themselves and themselves very quickly, and they can share, and one of those devices with close to the door can now talk to a device outside in the next room, yes? Now we start to connect and create those kind of wireless networks that look like mesh networks, but they're much higher capacity and more effective in the way they work. What are mesh networks? Aha. Uh -huh. Mesh networks are devices that one device can talk to all of the other devices around it and vice versa. In today's technology, they will interfere with one another, and this is what drops their capacity and the amount of data that it can actually send. In 5G, they will send it over short distances, collaborate with only a small team without interfering further. In 2G, 3G, and 4G, there's a lot of interference because the coverage is high. 5G, the coverage is very small. How will the cost of computers, cell phones, and other electronics change with this new technology? Oh, significant. So the reason we need a smart, we need smarts in the phone is because we want it to do all sorts of calculations and graphics and all sorts of other applications that requires a lot of processing power. If we will run those applications in the cloud instead of in the phone, we need to deliver them straight to the phone. And the delivery system is through wireless, and wireless right now in 4G is quite slow. If we have 20 gigabit per second going to the cloud from, let's say, your phone, the phone that you have, why do I need a graphic processor for it? Why do I need a CPU that runs like who knows how much? And why do I need an expensive phone? The only thing that I need is a screen. We call it headless phone. And headless phone is phone that costs you 50 bucks or actually given to you for free because now it's so cheap. And the phone actually runs in the cloud. All the application in the cloud, the only thing that the phone does is the communication. So I have a device that can communicate 5G, and that's the only thing it does. Communicate 5G and has got a screen. And everything else, all the apps, everything else runs in the cloud. Same thing for your computer. Your computer should not be that smart. You should not pay $400 for your computer, or definitely not $4,000 for your gaming computer. The only thing that you need is a screen and ability to communicate to the cloud. Once you have this, you can run your game in the cloud. Your screen is here, but the game is in the cloud. There is only one millisecond delay. There is no way we can even notice it. So now you're looking at hundreds of frames per second at 4K resolution coming to your device, and this device is brainless device. This is awesome. Now you can pay for your service, and you actually get a service instead of paying for your expensive phone. And don't worry if it, you drop it into water. It doesn't matter. You can get another one. It's so cheap. It sounds like it'll be a great opportunity for emerging countries, emerging areas that may not have the budget or the daily income to afford you know, a $1,000 computer to have access to all the information in the world. It sounds like it, but it's not. Remember the base stations and all the networks? They still need the infrastructure. And the problem is that before the infrastructure you can't bring this smartness and capability to the edge devices. Edge devices are your phone, your computer, they're at the edge of the network. 
Will there be room for startups to compete in the space, or will only large established corporations be involved with this new technology? So at the lower level, yes, at the lower level, we can see only large established corporations able to devise or create this specific technology, the communication level. But from a business perspective, now things are actually opening up. As I mentioned, like before, taxi companies that are basically practically are gone because of Uber, etc., are can come back now and actually own cars because it's kind of like cheap to create a system like this. You don't need very expensive cars. You don't need to be Uber with billions of dollars to invest in AI because you can actually timeshare AI even between those companies in the cloud. There are new business models that are created to enable that. There are things that we can do with technology with information. For example, provide, talk about veracity. The veracity of the person you are talking to. If you've never met the guy and you don't trust him, how do you know you can, whatever he says, actually make sense or is true? Or maybe you want to figure out whether he tells you the truth based on the stress level and how he speaks. You can go with a virtual lie detector on you 24-7. You can know when people is talking to you, what are their emotions in this moment? Because your system, the only thing that it does, the only thing that you do or your sensors that are on your body are doing, they are sending information to the cloud and there will be an AI that will analyze it and give you suggestions. Hey, you know, this woman you're talking to right now, she's stressed. Maybe you can be a little bit more gentle and just ask her, hey, what's going on with you right now? Dear, how can I help you? Or maybe you can use a more gentle language and so forth. You know, we may be better communicators as a result. Think about it positively. Here is a new application for you. Application to improve the way we communicate. Oh, how about the way we sell? I want to sell you something, okay? How do I react if I'm not a perfect salesperson? If I'm not somebody who completely tune up to your emotion and your current state of being? Because if I am, it will help me to be more empathic and more gentle and better communicator. Now, if there is something in my ear that tells me how you probably feel at this moment, based on your tone, based on your voice, or body posture, how you move, how fast are your eyes are reacting, are your pupils are reacting to, etc. Are you sweating or are you not? All this information can be analyzed in real time and give me some edge, edge to become a better communicator with you. How about that? Here's a new application. Now, I can't get all this information today unless I put you in a room and put all the sensors around you and analyze it. But tomorrow, I can do that because I can have those sensors on me picking up all this information off you, sending to the cloud and getting this big smart machine learning coming back and tell me, hey, here's what you can do better. Or how about asking the following question? So with this, I have to ask health concerns. You'd mentioned power stations everywhere, antennas everywhere. Should we be concerned? Not so sure yet. It's a good question. And I hear about health concerns with regard to wireless in general. And yes, if you take a wireless station and communicate or use it at very high power, which is a few watts, and you lean on it or you're close enough for it, 
you'll probably be excited by it, meaning your water will be excited. Okay, here we are. Technology. Let's go back. The spectrum of communication that is being used for 4G today is the same spectrum you use for your microwave. The only difference is power. Your microwave uses very high power and your base stations are very low power. The same thing is going to happen with 5G and 5G spectrum is even higher frequencies than just 4G. It includes 4G and it goes 10x and 20x higher. So it goes anywhere from your 2 gigahertz all the way to 100. When you think about this as a spectrum, people will say, oh my God, are you ultraviolet me or are you x-ray me? What are you doing with all this stuff and all this energy? It's a big question. But if it's very, or if it's low enough energy, then we wouldn't notice. It will not excite our bodies. It's only when we concentrate the beam. Oh, okay. So here is a tool to actually cause damage. You take 100 base stations like this and you focus the beam on a single point in space. And of course, if you are sitting in that point in space, you're going to be a little bit hot very fast. But, well, we can imagine all sorts of crazy things with this. But the important stuff that that's not the intention and this is not how the system is working. Although, we are using thousands of antennas and focusing beams in order to communicate with device. We cannot go the distance without using what we call MIMO, which is, okay, many, many antennas. Like, you know, you have your, your wireless base station in your house or your ex wireless exit point, and you see four or six or eight or 12 antennas on it. It means that it collects a partial information on each antenna and then combine it all for the information. This is how you get higher capacity because you get better sensitivity and you can hear more data. The same thing we are doing with, with 5G, but then we do it with thousands of antennas instead of just four or five. We also do beamforming, which is when we send information, we create a beam of information so it goes to your phone and it goes far away to hit your phone. Without it, we wouldn't be able to get this condensed information. So what would happen if I am outside of a major city and the infrastructure hasn't been built up for 5G and I have my dumb phone? Oh, then you'll do 4G or your dumb phone is dead. So the dumb phone will still be able to do voice communication all the way to 2G. So all our phones, even today, can do GSM. I mean, you can go and connect to a GSM system out in the boonies, out there, outside, far away from the cities. So the infrastructure will be built such that it will continue and maintain, and our phones will continue to be able to communicate, at least to do voice communication. But when it comes to data communication or running an app, that's questionable when you go out there. But at the same time, I mean, if this is not what you do all the time, why would you pay so much for your phone? Why would you care? And what excites you the most about this technology? I like the fact that the business models are changing and that things are enabling. It opens up the space for innovators and for people to create and to dream about a different world. And if you dream the correct world and you add your bet, then your investment will be extremely successful. And of course, if you miss in your dream, it will be a problem. The value proposition sometimes changes based on technology being enabled. I'll give you an example. Remember Kodak? 
big company, used to print money. Kodak value proposition was capture the moment. And then came digital, and Kodak thought capture the moment, digital is fine. No, it's not fine. It wasn't about capturing the moment, it was sharing the moment. There is no Kodak today. I mean, there is, but they lost it. It's all about sharing the moment. We are human. We like to share this information. We capture it in order to share. So when new technology comes, value proposition sometimes shifts. It's really hard to figure it out, and large corporations will pass out of this world because they will miss on it. Well, at least one would hope, because we like to see change. I mean, I love Google, but, you know, God save Google. But at the same time, I would like to see other companies. I would like to see other startups. I like to see people being successful. I love Facebook, but the fact that they took WhatsApp off the table is mm, not that appealing to me. You know, Facebook bought WhatsApp. I mean, what's the connection between Facebook and WhatsApp? Nothing except for WhatsApp is connecting. It's basically an alternative social network. Connects lots of people for free, completely secure to communicate any way they want to, through their mobiles. Facebook thought that's not a good thing to have a competitor and just took them off the plan. I'm hoping that when 5G shows up, we will see many companies changing the game such that there will be new giants showing up and not just existing. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, this is exciting. Jamil, what are you currently working on? Well, the latest project I've been working on or started to work on is using AI to predict crops. Yes, you know, think about the following. If you have a field full of, let's say, vegetables, and uh, you plant this field, and it takes you six weeks, 12 weeks, however it is, to finish the cycle and sell your crops. If you go to the market to sell your crops, you need to be able to predict how much crop I'm going to get in order to negotiate the price. And the price difference could be significant between what you predict and negotiate to begin with and how you end up with. This delta is significant enough that, let's say, your ROI on your field is X percent. If you can improve your prediction by 50% accuracy, by 50%, you can improve your ROI 5 to 10x. 5 to 10x. It's a big difference. Most of the systems that exist today cannot do that, and I'm working with this exciting company who actually built a system that improved it by over 50%. Now, the question is, how do you protect a system like this from IP perspective? Because I do not want Google to jump in and just do it because they can. I want this company to make the money. How do we do that? That sounds like another episode. Shamil, we're going to have to get you back on the show. And if anyone wants to find out more information about you, what's the best way to contact you or get in touch? You can find me as Shmuel Silverman. You can look for Shmuel Silverman Inventions. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Shmuel at multi-innovation.com and look at multi-innovation.com or on Medium. Great. We're going to have all those links in the show notes. And I also want to thank Kurt Hyland. He's the one that introduced me to Shmuel probably about two years ago that uh, created our friendship and allowed this interview to happen today. So Kurt, want to thank you. And Shmuel, I want to thank you one more time for taking the time today to be on Silicon Valley. Sean, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley podcast. 
To access our resources, visit us at the siliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. This show is for entertainment purposes only and is licensed by the Investors Podcast Network. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.